John chapter 21. I am going to speak today on words to remember at Christmas time and every other time. And so we're going to look at John 21 and let's let's start reading in verse 14. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dying, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whithersoever whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till, till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that, that that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, He shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? This is the disciple which testified of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose, that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to be here in church. Lord, I pray now that as we study your word, that this will bring glory to you, but it will be a help to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Anybody here eat too much over uh, Thanksgiving? I did. I told somebody I need to buy new clothes after Thanksgiving. I can't hardly fit into anything. Man, it was so good. Laura makes this German chocolate pie. It's so good you don't know whether to eat it or rub it all over you. I mean, it is so good. And then yesterday, of course, Ohio State beating Michigan. That was great. For those of you who don't know Bob Curlis, who was opening, he's a Michigan fan. So that's what all of that, whatever it was, was about. It was hilarious. And I, I just love this time of year. But I'll tell you what, by the time we get to January, people are going to be tired of the holidays. Very interesting. Now, you want the wonder, you want the feeling of it, and the joy and all of that. And, you know, sometimes when you, when you start to put away the Christmas decorations, there's a little sadness, you know, because it's over. And yet, people will be ready to be back to a regular schedule. How many of you already know you're going to be ready to be back to a regular schedule when all this is done, right? All of you scheduled people, the rest of us are happy. That's <laughs> hilarious. This is such a wonderful time of year 
But I'll tell you what can happen to us is we can really get distracted. And honestly, I think that we can all be distracted pretty regularly, and that's why the title says, And Every Other Day. So I want to, from this text, I want to point out just some basic words that we need to remember as we look at this time of year and at this text. And the first one is faith. Faith. It's very interesting. Look at what it says in verse 14 again. This is now the third time that Jesus showed Himself to His disciples. After that, He was risen from the dead. So Jesus Christ, if you look at the, at the screen here, Jesus made many post-resurrection appearances. Uh, look with me at 1 Corinthians. Keep your, put a marker there at John 21. We're going to come back. But go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look at verse 1. And if you don't have a Bible with you, just look under the seat in front of you. There's a Bible there, and uh, we'd love for you to use that. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. So here, here's, this is very clear. Let's make sure. You don't have to keep believing to keep your salvation, Right? Um, there is a, there's a group of Baptists. They're called free will Baptists. And traditionally, in the free will Baptist faith, they didn't believe that you could lose your salvation. It has, it has become that in many of the free will Baptist churches. But as far as their initial doctrine, they didn't believe that. But they did believe that you could walk away from the Lord and that you would lose your salvation if you did it intentionally. You said, I don't believe in you anymore. I don't want this. You could lose your salvation. Um, that's not what this passage is teaching, all right? What this is saying is, unless at the end of verse 2, unless you have believed in vain. What is that? You believed in nothing. How many of you know people that have made a profession of something that they didn't really believe? That's what this is talking about. You see, salvation is not just where you say some magic words and everything's okay. It's not a Harry Potter novel. All right? The, the, the gospel is something that must be believed. It must be believed. So, by which... Also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. So what are we supposed to believe? For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Now it's very important that we get this. He, what are we supposed to have faith in? Not just the death, burial, and resurrection. Because there are a lot of people that believe in the death, burial, and resurrection that are not saved. Let's look at all of the components of it. That He died for our sins. Jesus died because He knew that we would die eternally unless He died for us. Why did He need to die? Because I'm a sinner. He was sinless. There was no reason. He was killed, the Bible says, without a cause. But He chose to die for us. We need to understand the gospel is that He died, not for His sins, but for our sins. So again, at the end of verse 3, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, notice the repetition there. What's repeated? According to the Scriptures. The Bible says, "...being born again, not of corruptible seed." but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. 
This is very important. Don't ever let anyone tell you the Bible's not important. Every word of God is true. And then Jesus said, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Laura and I were driving over to Columbus on Friday to enter the madness. And while we're heading over on 33, I saw a billboard and it looked like an ad from maybe the 1940s, that that style of artwork, that style of graphic. And it was a little child praying and it said, man cannot live by bread alone. And it was the Sunbeam Bread Company. I liked it. Uh, Laura was telling me something and I stopped her and I said, look at that sign. It's really cool. And we talked about it. Um, The Bible says man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So that means if we're going to live, we have to have every word of God. Right? And isn't it wonderful that God gave us those words? We have to believe those. The only reason that any of us can be saved is that God has preserved his word so that we can know how to be saved. What a wonderful thought that is. Then look at what it says. Verse 5, and that he was seen of Cephas, that's Peter, that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. Now look at what it says. 500, what's that next word? Brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep, so some had died. And so then he gives a few other appearances that, that he lists. So Jesus Christ made many post-resurrection appearances. He walked the earth for 40 days after his resurrection before his ascension. But there's no record that he ever appeared to any unbelievers. Isn't that interesting? Some have said if Jesus, after his resurrection, had appeared to Pilate, maybe Pilate would have believed. If Jesus, after his resurrection, had appeared to Herod, maybe Herod would have believed. If he had appeared to some of those Pharisees, maybe they would have believed. But look what the Bible says. Go with me to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. Look at verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. The Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again, so that's born again, right? Hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Isn't that a good eternal security passage? Incorruptible. Fadeth not away. It's reserved. You have a reservation. And this is your confirmation number. You have a reservation. That's awesome. Then, look at what it says in verse 5, who are kept by their good works. Is that what it says? Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now look at what it says. Whom, having not seen, ye love. In whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your, what's that word? Faith even the salvation of your souls. 
The Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we are saved by faith. And what it says here is, not seeing Jesus, we believe in Him. Now I want you to think about something. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says this, But without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So, very simple, when I was in ministry at Oklahoma State, and they lost yesterday. I'm sorry, Laura, that was tough. So, when I was in ministry at Oklahoma State, when we would start up on the board, I would write this. The, the, the fundamental premise of Christianity is this. God is. Right? God is. You know, the atheist says, I don't believe in God. Well, God doesn't believe in atheists. It's interesting. And what they say is you can't be saved unless you believe that there's a God. That's where it starts. And that you believe by faith. And here's what people say. If only God would do such and such, and then they'll fill that in, then I would believe. And you know what I always say? No, you wouldn't. Faith isn't an intellectual problem. It's a spiritual problem. Amen? So, but without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. If Jesus had appeared to an unbeliever following His resurrection, and that unbeliever had gotten saved because of it, then that person would have believed because of sight and not faith. You know, the, the Bible says very clearly that God did that once. Jesus appeared to the Apostle Paul on the Damascus Road. And so the Bible says this about him. Here's what Paul said. As one born out of due time. Because it was past the time that people would believe by seeing Jesus. But God had a special work for Paul. God can violate his own rules. Is that right? Absolutely. And he did with Paul. But the reason he didn't appear to unbelievers is because they would not come to him by faith. It's an interesting thing. Abraham told Lazarus in Luke 16... Remember what happened. The rich man wanted God to send Lazarus, or Abraham, to send Lazarus to his brothers. So father and four brothers, and they, they were lost. And what did Lazarus say to them? They have Moses and the prophets. Neither will they be persuaded. And if, if they don't believe them, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. It's very interesting. And so this is what the atheist says. God, I don't, with everything you've done, the creation of the world, the invention of conscience, consciousness, everything that we see that is so marvelous, I don't believe in you. You've not done enough. It's very interesting. And God says, they won't be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. He said that through Abraham. Now, this is very important. The next word we're going to go to is repent. But the simple fact is, Jesus Christ made appearances to believers. So He showed Himself to 500 brethren, showed Himself to disciples, to Mary. Uh, that, that's about it. That's about it. Why? Because salvation, God determined, would be by faith in a Savior that is not seen. How many of you have ever wondered what Jesus looks like? 
That's interesting, isn't it? I would love, why? Because we're visual people. You know that song, some children see him lily white, some children, you know, all the different races. And I think that that's probably true. That children would picture Jesus Christ as somebody that they would know. Do you know why God doesn't tell us what Jesus looked like? Do you know why? Because it's not important. He describes what it'll look like when he comes back. And that sounds pretty scary. <laughs> right? The issue, the issue here that's so important is we walk by faith, not by sight. And we believe in Jesus Christ by faith. And here's how good God is. God even gives us the faith. And you might be here and say, well, He didn't give it to me. No, no, no. You haven't received it. I can't make you take a gift. It's just such an interesting thing that Jesus Christ only appeared to believers. And what's wonderful is all of us have been saved the same way. By faith. By faith. We haven't seen Him, but boy, do we love Him. One day we will see Him. And when we see Him, we're going to know Him because we're going to be like Him. What a wonderful thing, faith. So the first thing that, that we see from the first word is faith. The second word is this, repent, repent. Um, look at verse, go back to John 21 with me. So Peter has been pointed back to the Savior. And look at verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas... Lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Now, tonight in the evening service, I know that many of you, when you have heard this text taught, that there, there are different Greek words here. One is phileo, one is agape, and this means this, and there's extra teaching that you can't find in the English. I'm going to show you that that's not true tonight. We're going to go through dozens of passages of Scripture tonight, and you'll see that that's not true. Here, so let's just boil it down. Here's what Jesus Christ is saying to Peter. All right? Lovest thou me. And notice where he starts. Lovest thou me more than these? They had all gone back together, this, this core of disciples. They really did love each other. They're willing to fight for each other. And so now that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, they told him to go wait. They're waiting. They're just waiting together. And Jesus knew that Peter really loved those guys. And so he asked him, do you love me more than them? And he asked him the question three times, do you love me? And then he always says, either feed my sheep or feed my lambs. Peter had denied Jesus three times. Now Jesus gives him three opportunities to tell him that he loves him. And it's very important that we get this. It's an important truth that is here. After each answer, he says, either feed my sheep or feed my lambs. And Peter got the message. In 1 Peter 5, 2, he's writing, he says, unto the elders, I who am also an elder right unto you. And here's what he tells them. Feed the flock of God. Feed the flock of God. So the job of the preacher is to feed the people, to teach them the Bible. My job is not to make you feel good. Now, I hope the teaching and the truth of the Word of God makes you feel good. But I got to tell you, sometimes the Word of God is going to make you feel bad. I had somebody say one time, um, I, I preached a sermon it was, I was preaching through the Gospel of Mark, I think, and it was a it was t a tough sermon from the text. And I heard this lady say, "I never used to feel bad when I left church." Well, sometimes you're supposed to feel bad 
when you leave church because your life doesn't line up with what God said in the Bible. And if I remove the sting from that passage, I, I heard I was listening to um, the radio Bible class. Anyone ever heard the radio Bible class? And uh, Haddon Robinson was teaching, and, and I like Haddon Robinson. I've written, read several, several of his books. But on this one, he really messed up bad because he was telling the story. He was giving the account of where Elijah mocked the prophets of Baal. And remember what he said to him. He said, let's call down fire from heaven. And so the prophets of Baal are trying to call down fire from heaven and they're cutting themselves and you know, going through all these contortions to, cry, to call down fire from heaven. And here's, here's how Elijah is encouraging them. Oh, is your God on vacation? Is he maybe taking a nap? He was, and the Bible says he mocked them. And Robinson tried to sue that. Now, he wasn't really mocking. The text says he mocked them. So do you know what Elijah was doing? Mocking them. And that was the man of God. Mocking foolishness. You see, sometimes the Bible, when our life doesn't align with the Bible, if the preacher just says what the Bible says and then applies it to the time in which he lives, well, that will be uncomfortable for people that are not being obedient to the Scriptures. Amen? So my job's not to comfort you or to make you feel... My job is to comfort you. <laughs> my job is not to make you feel good. My job is to feed you. Feed you. Kids, have, has your mom ever fed you something that you would rather not eat? Broccoli, right? Uh, asparagus, eggplant. Eggplant is one of the scariest things I've ever seen. And if I have my way, I will never eat it. Kind of like a casserole. And what could be worse? How about this? An eggplant casserole. But have you ever eaten something you really didn't want to eat? You take some medicine that just tastes, tastes terrible. It tastes terrible. You know, I won't get too graphic, but has here, anyone here ever had to drink barium? You know, you know what I'm talking about? That's lovely, isn't it? Isn't that just a wonderful experience? Why are you doing that? For your good. I don't guess you're drinking barium. It's, there's another word that goes along with it. It's just interesting. When you have the responsibility to feed, some of it's going to taste good, some of it's not going to taste good. But if you care for the person you're feeding, you're going to feed them all of what they need. And the Bible calls that the whole counsel of God. The Apostle Paul said to the church at Ephesus, I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. And that's what the Apostle Peter learned. And God told him three times to feed. But something had to happen before he could feed them. He had to repent. And this is something that's so good to learn from the life of Peter. Failure does not keep us from bringing glory to God. Quitting does. Failure does not keep us from bringing glory to God. Quitting does. Look at verse 18. The Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. 
But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying what death he should... What are those next two words? Glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, Follow me. Follow me. What had to happen before he could follow him? What had to happen before Peter could get to the place where even in his death, he would bring glory to God? What had to happen? Peter had to repent, and he had to repent for everything that he had done. What am I saying? Peter denied Jesus three times. You must deal with your sin before God will use you. You know, there are people that are supposed to be serving God, but they don't because they have unconfessed sin in their lives. So, as your pastor today, here's what I would say to you. Repent. Get right with God because God wants to use you. Isn't it good that God doesn't throw people away? Was Peter useful for God's work? He was, but man, he was a mess. And so God required him, our Savior required him to repent. So our first word is faith. Our second word is repent. Our third word is trust. This is such an interesting thing. Look at what Jesus said at the end of verse 18 or verse 19. This spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me, follow me. Look at verse 22. Jesus saith unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. What's interesting is when he tells Peter to follow him, it's just like Matthew 4.19 where he found Peter and Andrew and he said, follow me. So I like this. This is so good. I like this. Jesus' goals for us never change. Look at what had happened. You had, uh, do I have it written here? No. Think about what had happened. You had, Jesus had called them. He had lived with them for three and a half years. All those miracles had taken place. Then Peter had denied him three times. Jesus had died on the cross. He was buried. He rose from the dead. Now he's found him. So you have all of these events that have taken place. Peter had in his mind, disappointed Jesus Christ. Now, we said this a week or so ago, so let's make sure, let's see if you listened. Did Peter disappoint Christ? No. You can't disappoint someone who knows what you're going to do. Right? God had called Peter, and the Bible says the calling of God is without repentance. If God has called you to do something, do you know what He still wants you to do? That, and the number one thing he wants all of us to do is to follow him. You understand that's what a Christian is, right? It's a person who follows, they're saved. And then a disciple is one who follows Christ. So he said, follow me. Don't forget, failure does not keep us from bringing glory to God. Quitting does. So just trust him. Now, I want you to see something else under this. Look at verse 20. This is such an interesting thing. The old Peter is back. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? So John is reminding us of a scene from earlier. And Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? So you've said what you're going to do with me. 
And, and I forgot to mention this. When the Bible talks about the way that Peter would glorify God in his death, we know that Peter was crucified. He was carried to a cross and crucified, but he didn't want to be crucified like his Lord, so he was crucified upside down. What did he do? He brought glory to God in his death. Isn't that fantastic? He brought glory to God in his death. And God had told him to follow him. But now here, he says, what about John? What about John? Have you ever noticed that we're always interested in other people? We're just interested in what God is doing with someone else. It's, it's so interesting. And so Peter asked Jesus about John. <laughs> and Jesus' answer is fitting. What is that to thee? And I want you to think about something. You ready for this? How many of you are ready to, to learn something pretty interesting? Right? Because I'm boring you to death right now. I can tell. I'll give you something really interesting on this. These are the last words of Jesus in the Gospels. What is that to thee? Follow thou me. That's the last thing Jesus says in the Gospels. Here it is. Jacob, mind your own business. Do what you're supposed to do. That's what Jesus Christ is telling Peter. We're always worried, you know, you, you have a leadership requirement. And what the way that Grace Baptist Church works, we have teams and we're building all these teams and, and there are requirements for each of the teams. This is what you have to do to be on this team. And the closer you get to the platform, the higher the requirements go. That makes sense, right? They just The closer you get, the higher the requirements are. And But here's what people say. Well, what about that guy? If I have to do this, what about them? If I have to do this, what about her? What, what about... And here's the answer. I need to try to remember this if somebody comes to me. says, what about Ty? What is that to thee? Follow Jesus. Do what you're supposed to do. And now, here's, here's, here's what's behind that. Here's what Jesus is saying to Peter. Trust me. I have a plan for John. I have a plan for you. My plan for you is not the same thing as my plan for John. Trust me. Do your own job. Stay in your lane. Do what you are supposed to do. And what is that? That's trusting Him. What does God want you to do? We focus too much on what God is planning for others. Now, this is such an interesting thought. God doesn't tell us what He has planned for others or what will become of our ministries because he knows we can't handle that information. What do you think Peter would have done if Jesus looked at him and said, well, Peter, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be crucified upside down. Well, that's encouraging. Did Jesus know that's what was going to happen to Peter? Just, just follow me, Peter. Just follow me. I will do great things in you and through you. Just follow me. And how about this? Imagine if Peter had known what God was going to do with John. What would Peter have done? He would have tried to protect John. What did Jesus say to him? He said he, he described his death to Peter, that he was going to die. And what did Peter say? Be it far from thee, Lord. And what did Jesus say to Peter? Get thee behind me, Satan. How about that? Do you think that made Peter feel good? No, but it's what he needed to eat. Right? Is that right? And so God told Peter, he said, look, I've got a plan for you. 
Just trust me. What was God going to do with John? God would use John to write the gospel, the gospel of John, and then 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and the book of Revelation. And go back to John. Look at what it says in verse 23. Then, or verse 22, Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Now, we learn something right here that's very important, a, a doctrinal truth that's very important. Never base doctrine on a question. Never base doctrine on a question. Because look at what happened. Verse 23, Then went this saying abroad among the brethren, that that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, he shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? That's interesting. And this, this again is what happens. People misunderstand the audible voice of God. And they have to be directed to the written word of God to understand the audible voice of God. That's why Peter later said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. That the Bible, the written Word of God, is more sure than the audible voice of God because people misunderstand what Jesus said. And that's, that's what happened here. The other thing that is interesting is all that God used John to do, and I want you to see something really cool, and that is this. If you look at the end of verse 23, he, shall not, he didn't say that he shall not die. Verse. Now let's read the text. But... If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Do you know that Jesus allowed John to live long enough to see him come? That's what John wrote in Revelation 4, 1 and 2. Revelation 19, where Jesus Christ establishes his kingdom. John got to live long enough to see all of that. Is that awesome? So that leads us to our last point. Remember, our first word to remember at Christmas time is faith. Faith, not sight, it's faith. Believe in Him. The second word is repent. If you're not saved, repent of your sins and get saved. If you are saved, repent of the sin that you haven't confessed so that God can use you. Amen? And then trust what God has written. Trust. Just trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him for your life. Trust Him for the lives of the believers around you. And then the last word is believe. Believe. Oh, I wanted to put this. Luke 12, 48, For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall much be required. John ended up getting boiled in oil. It, it, all, he saw all of his friends die. He was the last one. And he was alone. John was given much. But with that was the burden of seeing all of his friends die, living through the destruction of Jerusalem and being imprisoned on the Isle of Patmos for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, our last word is believe. We believe in the law of measured words. What that means is there was only a limited amount of, script, of space that God chose to write the Bible. All right. So the, the Talmud, that is the Jewish commentary on Scripture, is 36 volumes. It's tough to put that in your pocket. Right? Well, God, God limited the amount of words. That means that none of them are superfluous. They're all there on, por on purpose. We also believe that we should take the words literally unless figurative or allegorical language is used, usually identified by the words like and as. So when Jesus describes something as this, well, then it's just a picture. It's allegorical language, metaphorical language. Jesus said, I am the door. That doesn't mean they had a doorknob and hinges. It means that you have to go through him to get to heaven. All right? So we understand that we're going to take the words literally. 
Now, this is interesting. Look with me at John 21 and look at verse 24. This is the disciple, that's John, which testifieth of these things. And we wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. This thought came to me while I was teaching one time. And then I went and checked it out. You know, a lot of people believe that this is hyperbole. You know, that, well, I suppose that the books of the world couldn't contain it. It's not hyperbole. I want you to think about something, and this will help you believe every word of God. Psalm 139, verse 16 says this, In thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. So what the Bible is teaching is that God has written in a book all of your members. In a book. Is that what the Bible says? And I want you to think about something. All of my members, when they were yet unformed, before they were fashioned. Geneticists, and I checked this out with a geneticist. Geneticists tell us that the DNA code that makes up each of our cells has enough information to more than fill the 28 volumes of the Encyclopedia Britannica. That's each cell. So if we only count one cell for each person in the world, there are about... 7 billion people in the world. All right? If we use 7 billion for the number of people in the world multiplied by 28, that gives us 196 billion volumes. That's just with the people that are living today, not all the people that have ever lived. According to Google, which is always right, there are 129,864,000 and 888 books in the world. If everything that Jesus did was written down, the books of the world could not contain it. Just believe the Word of God. Do you think people knew anything about DNA when God had John write this down? But the more we learn about science, the more true the Bible is. That's awesome. If someone doesn't believe, it's not an intellectual problem, it's a spiritual problem. So what are the words that we're going to remember at Christmas time and at every other time? We need faith. You've got to have faith. And it's, you don't see, you believe. That's faith. Then, you've got to repent. If you're not saved, you need to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and repent. If you are saved, you have sin that you've not confessed, you need to confess that sin so that you can be used. And then you have to trust. You have to trust God's plan for your life. You have to trust God's plan for your brothers and sisters in Christ. You have to trust God's plan for their life. And then just believe the words of God. Just believe it. You can trust it. There's more truth there than anyone has ever understood. Isn't that awesome? So just believe. Lord, thank you so much for your word. We don't deserve any of it.